Welcome to America the Bazaar. I'm your host, Jordan Rausch. And I'm Jeremy. This is a weekly history podcast that deep dives into all the stories that made America into the beautiful weirdo she is today. Beautiful and weird. Yes. Maybe peculiar. Both. She's a weirdo for sure. But I, lo- <laughs> I love her. I love her because of that. Because of that and despite that. So, I guess for this week's episode, can I like preface it already? Yeah. Even though we haven't even gotten to the topic yet. Yeah. You want to do presidential trivia? Oh, yeah. We'll do presidential trivia first and then we'll get into it yeah. after all that. So, which president's nickname was Rough and Ready? Mm. Quite the quite the nickname, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so for those that are new or aren't familiar with our presidential trivia, we give a weird fact about a president each and every week before the episode starts, and then we give the answer at the end of the episode, just so that we can really appreciate how weird our presidents all have been, not just the latest one. Right. We're not even... <laughs> <laughs> They're, yeah. they're all a little weird. Mm-hmm. So if you would like to know who which president was rough and ready, then the answer will be at the end of the episode. So stay tuned. All right. So I like I kind of like this episode because we both kind of went to a party college. Yeah. Yeah. We went to University of Idaho, which at least used to be ranked as one of the top party schools in the nation, in the the United States. And also, we both were in the Greek system. I was in a sorority, and you were in a fraternity. Yep. Known for their academics? No, not yours. (laughs) (laughs) My sorority was always in the top four houses for academics. I don't think yours was. We were a roller coaster. Yeah, because we were kind of all over the place. We'd get on probation, then we'd uh, get in ship shape, and then we'd be right back at the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good. Good, it's good. It was a good, healthy balance across five years of college. I loved college. For a four-year degree. And also, we wouldn't have met if it wasn't for college and for our sorority and fraternity. A little backstory about how Jeremy and I actually met. It was because my sorority had a function with his fraternity, um, and it was a date function. Yeah. But anyways, you're randomly paired up, and that's how it was supposed to go, but Jeremy and I were both late, and that's how we met each other, and that's how the rest of our lives have went ever since. We're always late. (laughs) But it's worked out for us so far. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. All right. So go back, think about, you know, college days, mm-hmm. partying, yep. having a good time. The smell of stale beer. Now, also imagine if you were in college in the 60s. Oh, God. So it's, you know, uh, hippies, free love. Yeah. You know, kind of all that. Flower power. Yeah. So, just nice. getting that, getting that mindset. The kind groovy of, mindset. Yeah. So, in the 1960s, the best place to, sp- to spend your spring break was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yeah. I think it's still probably a pretty good place I to go. I imagine that's... Isn't that where those kids got in trouble for spring break? I think so. Pro- I mean, quarantine? I just heard Florida in general. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also, you know, I mean, Mexico is huge. Mm-hmm. Since we were more like the Northwest 
Western United States. A lot of our friends either went to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe or Lake Havasu. Lake Havasu. And stayed on the West Coast. Yeah, or Havasu. even Or even Mexico. Yeah, no, Tahoe was still really cold at the time. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, <laughs> you and I did Mexico one year, but it was also with your parents, so yeah. I don't know if that counts. Uh, I think it does. It does count. We had uh, fun. So anyways, uh, yeah, so anyways, <laughs> but in the 60s, Fort Lauderdale, Florida was the place to go for spring break. That's where everybody went. Mm-hmm. And that's where Chuck Stroop overheard his sister asking their parents to go for her spring break in 1969. Both Chuck and his sister were in college, but even though Chuck's sister got permission to go to Florida, Chuck didn't have enough money to leave the state of North Dakota. Chuck, who was the student body president of North Dakota State University, said, You want me to do a Midwestern? No, just say it in your regular voice. I was sitting in my... (laughs) You're just going Southern again. I'm sorry. I was sitting in my office one evening, one evening, and I was thinking about the poor suckers like me who weren't going to Fort Lauderdale. And I thought, well, geez, NDSU, North Dakota State University knows how to party. Why don't we have a party over a weekend out of town and invite all the other college kids to it? Southern. You went Southern. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you went Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> uh, so Chuck and a few of his buddies would go party in a small town called Zap. That was just 14 miles west of his hometown, Hazen, North Dakota, over the summer. And Chuck thought it would be a fun little place to get more of his college friends to join him over spring break instead of going to Florida. Zap had a population population of about 250 residents and two bars, but Chuck liked his plan and took out a couple of ads in The Spectrum, the NDSU student newspaper. He figured he could maybe get around a dozen of his friends to go to Zap with him, and they would camp while having a couple of beers and hot dogs. The Spectrum editor, Kevin Carvel, decided to write a story on the Zap spring break that read, Located in the valley of the Scenic Knife River, Zap has thrown open its arms to students. The beautiful Berg's 250 residents welcome us to their shores. Shall we say no to this truly fine gesture of Western hospitality? Of course not. On May 10th, we and students like us from all over the Midwest will flock to Zap. The Lauderdale of the North. Where do you get your suntan? Miami? No. Knife River. Isn't Knife River, that sounds, isn't that like where like Minot, like all of the big like oil drilling and stuff is now? So Knife River is a Montana, Dakota utility company. That's what I've heard, where I've heard of the name before. Yeah, Yeah, it's a utility company. Got it. Yeah. I knew that sounded familiar though. Construction company? Yeah. Yeah. So that story was ran on the front page of the newspaper. The same day that the article came out in the newspaper, Kevin Carvel dropped out of school. He had basically <laughs> just stopped going to class, and yeah. I think he was like, okay, so it's either I just fail or drop out, so yeah. he decided to drop out. Calling it. Calling call it. Yeah. So, on his way back to his hometown of Mott, North Dakota, he stopped at every college and dropped off posters for Zip to Zap, the Grand Festival of Light and Love. Nice. With Carvel gone, Don Homuth took over as the Spectrum editor. Homuth said that as soon as he became the new editor, his phone started ringing off the hook. 
First, it was from students and groups from NDSU, and then it was students from different colleges in North Dakota, and finally from students all across the country. The story had been picked up by other newspapers across the state and even became a National Associated Press story, and a Minneapolis radio station started to spread the word as well. Oh my god. Ballooning. Yeah. Viral. Spiral. Yeah. Where basically Chuck just wanted to like a simple camping trip with his friends <laughs> and it's like now all across the country. The Bismarck Tribune wrote a story saying Destiny is about to rear either its beautiful or tumultuous head. Or both. May ten, to project this quiet Mercer County city of three hundred into national fame in a coincidence of double exposure. Thousands of collegians plan to descend upon Zap in a zip-in, zap-out frenzy of welcoming spring while shedding their winter blues. The toy company Whammo. Have you heard of Whammo before? It's just like one of those things that's like kind of like vaguely familiar. I think so, but I'm thinking... I'm probably thinking more of Anchorman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whammy! You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Anyways, they're, they were a toy company back in the 60s, and they even created a new toy called the Zip Zap, which I keep, like, I kept reading about the Zip Zap, but literally it was just like, they created this toy called the Zip Zap, but I never was able to see a picture of what the toy you, Zip Zap actually on, was. Did you look on eBay? I did not. I bet I bet there's a zip zap toy on eBay. There's always some like crazy you know you know when you're cleaning out your things, especially which probably a lot of people are doing right now, they're getting on eBay being like, Oh, I've got these these old things. I wonder if they're uh zip zaps. Zip zap. There's like micro R C cars, but those are looks like for from the nineties. Yeah, so like I said, I don't know what the toy was, but apparently there was a toy, and it was called Zip Zap, and the Bismarck Tribune even showed a picture of the Zap Mayor, Norman Fuchs, playing with it. The Spectrum also continued to write articles about the party that included publishing a map of Zap and the surrounding area, and writing about all of the bars and cafes in Zap. One article concluded by saying, In addition to these events, a full program of orgies, brawls, freakouts, and arrests is being planned. Do you (laughs) dare miss it? When Hometh had gotten enough calls that he has that he estimated that Zip to Zap was going to be around 500 to 700 college students, he figured that he would call Zap Mayor and warn him about what was going to happen to his town. Fuchs assured Homoth that he already knew about the party and he was preparing the town of Zap to greet the students with open arms. The residents of Zap saw this as a way to make a whole bunch of money in one weekend. Right. Zap only had two bars, but they started stockpiling as much beer as possible. And some of the women of Zap were planning a barbecue for the students for Saturday night and were cooking all kinds of dishes to serve. Like, you know, potato salad, green salad... Macaroni salad. Right. <laughs> I think they even all like. The salads with the, all I think the they bananas. even like. Uh, they killed a cow that they were gonna like. You know, do like burgers and mm-hmm. steaks and all that, st- all that kind of stuff for them. So on Friday, May 9th, Carvel drove into Zap with his friends and was surprised that there was already over a thousand people in Zap. Wow. And more were driving in. 
Around <laughs> 3,000 total students showed up before the police shut down the paved roads into town to keep any more students getting in. One bar had hired a band named the Tibor Brothers to play on Friday night. When the Tibor Brothers took the stage, the bar raised the price of beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, when some of the students went to go back for more beer and found out that they were more expensive now, a fight quickly broke out. I mean, you can imagine. Yeah. A bunch of college kids expecting cheap beer, and then all of a sudden the prices go up. Yeah. Even though the bar owner said that was pretty common practice in North Dakota at the time. Yeah. He was like, you know, you finally get entertainment and the drink prices go up. Instead of everybody paying a cover, your drinks just get more expensive. Right. Anyways, he thought... That's like paying for a beer at a sports arena nowadays. Right. So, anyways, (laughs) the the bar owner thought it was commonplace, but the students were not happy about it. Uh, so the fight quickly broke out, and it wasn't long before one of the students threw a jukebox through one of the bar's windows. Jeez. Now there were several students just packed into the streets of town with nowhere to go, because it's not like there's a whole bunch of hotels for all these kids. Right. Like, they, I guess they just have to camp, and there's, you know, now one of the two bars in town has a window broken. So now that's getting cold, and it's May in... I have a hard time believing the bar was getting cold. Well... It probably felt refreshing. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah, it's like going into the alley and watching Casey Donahue play, you know? Yeah. Thing got, it was blistering hot in there, even in the dead of winter. Yeah. So that's probably true, but it's still, like, March? it's still... The, well, it's May. It's the beginning of May. They had a late spring break. Yeah, I'll say. But it's the beginning of May, and it's North Dakota, where even though it's still it's May, like the temperatures still get like below freezing at night. Yeah, yeah. So all of these kids are now like in just in the street on Main Street, and they're freezing. So some of the students built a bonfire in the middle of Main Street using scraps of wood that were from a house that had just been demolished. Okay. So apparently the house had been demolished, but there was a basement. So they had left all of the flooring, the like ab- above the basement. No, oh, all the flooring yeah, above yeah, the basement, yeah. so people wouldn't like fall, fall in. in. So they were like. They were Ripping up floorboards. Yeah, the students were ripping up all those floorboards, and they were tossing them into this bonfire that they just started in the middle of Main Street. And when the jukebox had been thrown into the street, it had been added to the bonfire, along with other furniture that was now being ripped out of the bar and thrown into the street. Oh my god. The fire had been lit underneath some power lines, and finally the fire department was called to put it out. Students were also peeing and puking in the middle of the street, of course, because they have nowhere else to go. Right. While several fights kept breaking out because drunk college students, which continued to get worse when the town actually ran out of beer. So then, yeah, so then the town was completely out of beer. That's like the one where seven deadly sins. Right? Then the residents of Zap started to get worried about their lives and belongings, so they went to Mayor Fuchs to get him to put an end to this madness. Mayor Fuchs, along with several of the townspeople, went into town and tried asking the students to leave their town. Most actually complied and left the town, but the few that stayed were still ready to raise some hell. Yeah, usually so you the get, ones that don't yeah. leave are. Yeah, like, so you get the nice ones that are like, you're right, this kind of got out of hand, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, I'll yeah. leave. And the rest are like, no, Mm-mm. I'm staying. So you wanted this. So you get, all the, yeah, this. So you get all the nice <laughs> ones to leave, and all the worst ones stay. Yeah. So yeah, so the nice ones leave. There's still a thousand students that stay. 
The local sheriff emergency deputized seven of the local men, but there was still no match against the rioting students. Because there's still a thousand students. Yeah. So now, what, nine, ten? Yeah. Probably like ten. Yeah. Those that... Officers of the law. Yeah. Those of the students that stayed started throwing stones at the bars and then other businesses, completely destroying a bar and a cafe. That was when Mayor Fuchs called Governor William Guy and begged him to mobilize the North Dakota National Guard. And Governor Guy complied by ordering 500 National Guard soldiers to zap. Second Lieutenant Jerry Engelman had just graduated from the University of North Dakota and was planning on driving to Zap on Saturday to party with some of his friends there. And <laughs> Classic Second Lieutenant <laughs> Instead, he made his way to Zap after joining up with the 816th Engineering Company and reviewing civil disturbance training. And then, side note, Jerry Engelman ended up retiring as a Brigadier General. What? Yeah. In the North Dakota? Yeah. National Guard? Yeah. Huh. But he was like, I'm going to go party. And they're like, hey, you got to, <laughs> hey, we're, hey, we're mobilizing. We're going to go break up this party. And he's like, oh, man. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's doing the side eye thing. Yeah, let's go break up this party. Yeah. Secretly, he's like, dang it. Yeah, I just like that. He, They're like, he's like, oh, I was going to go to Zap. They're like, well, you're still going to Zap. Yeah, yeah. So, former North Dakota Guardsmen said, We were concerned going in, I guess. We didn't really know it was going to happen. They were saying that people had guns and knives. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's kind of one of those things, I think, that this is also the 60s where there were a lot of students rioting, and some of it got right. really out of hand. Well, just and it's just kind of rumors just get going, you know? You know what, just, what, 50th anniversary just passed? No, what? Camp Massacre. That was 50 years ago. Really? Yeah, on Monday. This is this will be released on May 8th. May 7th, yeah. May 7th. So, yeah, I think Kent Massacre was May 2nd, 1970. Wow. So just, just a year, a year after, after this. this. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a thing like, you know, National Guard. There's riots all over the country. and They keep getting called in. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. And so everybody's kind of on edge. Like, what yeah. is really going to happen? So, by the time that the National Guard got into town at around 6 a.m., well, they had actually gotten there earlier, but they put them up in hotels, and they're like, we're not going to march on the town until sunrise. Where did they get hotels at? It was out of town. They, like, they put them up in hotels outside of Zap, and they're like, there's no point in us actually going in until sunrise. They're all going to be hungover in the morning anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, and they were. Yeah. Yeah. By the time they got into town at 6 a.m. sunrise, all of the college students had passed out. So they're just like college students like passed out like in tight. Main Street. Tight, yeah. They're going around. Well, another guardsman said, we marched as a unit into town. Nobody got hurt. Nothing bad happened. We took a lot of verbal abuse from these people. Some of them happened to be my friends. Because, I mean, you're in the National Guard. Like, yeah. a lot of these guys are young in the National yeah. Guard. And they were probably planning on also going to this party the next right. day. Right. <laughs> Or they had drill weekend, no, and so they got like, bummed that they couldn't go to the party with their friends. That's the way it always seems. Like, all the good parties happen on a drill weekend. Yeah. So, it's kind of, and then he said, it's kind of hard when you look out in the street and you see friends that probably two months before you had a beer with, and you had to be very professional. <laughs> when Carvel, the guy that had dropped out of school, yeah. when he woke up to see the National Guard come into town, he said he drove to his parents' house and hid in the basement, scared <laughs> that he was going to be arrested for organizing the event. 
I put an ad in the paper. I just wanted well, like, this wasn't the guy that put the ad in the paper. This is the guy that was oh, the, the, ad, the, the first editor that wrote yeah, the huge yeah, story about yeah, it that really actually got it going. Yeah, yeah. He did all the flyers and stuff. Yeah. So really, this, Dropping them off in college. So it was like the student body president kind of like he had the first idea, but this is the guy that really got it going. Yeah, and he was like, oh, no, yeah, this yeah. is all my fault. <laughs> I gave this all the traction. <laughs> yeah. So, one NDSU student actually tried to attack a National Guard soldier with a log chain, but he was quickly pinned against a car and the soldiers pummeled him with the rifle butts. Hmm. This seems to be the only incidence of violence from either side, though. So, I mean... I just want to know, what college student had a logging chain the one at 6 a.m.? The one guy that was still awake. The one guy that hadn't passed out. <laughs> he was uh, using some booger sugar. <laughs> Maybe. Probably. Yeah. A little hyped up from some of the previous night's activities. Yeah. So some students were just arriving to Zap, hoping to still party and not aware of what happened the night before. You know those people these... that were like, I had class the night before, or yeah. I had like a late class, so yeah. I'm going to drive yeah. to Zap in the morning and like party. Right. I'm going to do, do all my spring break homework now so I can right. enjoy my So then I'm going to party all day Saturday, Saturday night, and I'll drive home Sunday. Mm -hmm. So they're starting to get into town. <laughs> not knowing what happened. They were stopped by highway patrol before getting into town, but still got close enough to see the National Guard marching through the town and herding hungover college students out of Zab. Oh, <laughs> so they're, like, God. seeing all of their friends, like, yeah. being, like, escorted out of town by National Guardsmen, which is kind of, like, I'm Terrifying. sure scary yeah. to watch. Yeah. So one student trying to get into Zap on Saturday said... It was over pretty quick, but we got to see it from the fringe. We weren't necessarily inside it, but it's kind of like watching the parade go by. What I was seeing was what happened in big cities, other places that you see in the news, and you're saying, oh my gosh, that's happening here in Zap. You know, like all of these like Midwestern, North small Dakotans. Town. Yeah, yeah. They're all they're all probably these small town folk. Right, and they're all like, they're, we're gonna go have a small town party. Well in and a they've small town. a lot of them they have they still have conservative conservative views. Extremely. These aren't the people that are like they probably were talking bad about all of the protesters in these big mm -hmm. cities, like all oh, those yuppies and you know not respecting their government or your yeah. veterans or whatever yeah, yeah. and now they are the people protesters, that yeah, now they yeah. are the protesters now they yeah. are the rioters yeah so as the college students woke up and started moving out of town the national guard started picking up beer cans and broken glass that was strewn about main street because poor national guard has to do all the dirty, dirty work too yeah, yeah. no i did a highway cleanup once yeah um, they did get help from some of the regretful student stragglers that were like, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is it. you shouldn't have to clean yeah, this up, yeah, let me help yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, feeling remorseful. Yeah, so it was estimated that the total damages, including the loss of lumber from the demolished building to the damages to the destroyed cafe and bar, was about $25,000. North Dakota State University and the University of North Dakota both agreed to pay for the damages that were not covered by insurance by adding a surcharge to student fees over the next several years. What? Yeah. So they're like, all right, it was How us. How you feel as a student who didn't even get to go to Zap? Or if you were, like, in high school when this party happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like I'm saying, like, you were a student and you didn't get to go to Zap. Yeah, and it's not even, like, the colleges didn't even organize it. Yeah, it wasn't, like, an official sanction. Yeah, 
But I think it's just North Dakota, Midwestern nice. They're like, oh, you're right. We're sorry. sorry. This is probably our fault. (laughs) Gosh. That is one thing I do appreciate about the Midwest. They're very nice. Yeah. (laughs) We've been. Yeah, we have been to Minnesota. I've never been to North Dakota, though. Me neither. I'm sure they're nice over there, too. Yeah. While, you know, they're still getting pushed out of Zap, Mm -hmm. rumors are starting to swirl about what really happened there. The main one was that a house had actually been torn down to start the bonfire, (laughs) even though the house had already been demolished. (laughs) Walter Cronkite actually covered the story about Zap on the CBS Evening News that night, along with other national news outlets. Cravel said that that was like the most embarrassing part that he was like at home with his parents after he got done hiding in their basement and is then it? they and then they turn on the evening news and Walter Cronkite is talking about this party and he's as like a journalist like as the editor who mm-hmm. as a journalist too yeah. and he was like I just wanted to oh, die yeah. yeah crawl into a hole he makes you feel about this big yeah Your fingers are touching yeah so Hometh the guy that took over as editor. Was starting to get calls again. He's like, this isn't even me. (laughs) He said, I was getting phone calls from all over the world, from England, from the Soviet Union, (laughs) wanting to know what had truly happened. The myth and the reality of zip to zap are a parallel line. They're never going to cross. That summer, Woodstock happened and a man walked on the moon and zap was old news. Kind of like, as soon as it was big news, it was old news again. A new city hall was built in Zap on the site of the old demolished building that had been used for the bonfire. Very historic site. Right. Even though there would be student protests held in North Dakota throughout the Vietnam era, Zip to Zap is the only event that ever required the North Dakota National Guard to use force. Ever. So, yeah, that's what Kent State was about was a, a Vietnam protest mm-hmm. called in the National Guard. Right. It up in the killing, I think, of at least four individuals and wounded a bunch of others when the yeah. National Guard opened fire. I mean, I think that was probably the worst one right. that we've ever had. And I think that was kind of like, this could have definitely turned into... Can't sort of stay, but luckily everybody was already, well, most everybody was passed out and hung over Time, by this time. You know, timing probably had to play into it. Well, and it, all it really, like with Can't Stay, all it took was one person to fire. It just takes one person mm-hmm. for it to turn bad. Straw. Yep. There was a 50-year anniversary held in May 2019, so a year ago, in Zap. And as far as I can tell, Carvel, Homoth, and Stroop all attended. What? Yeah. They all got back together to go oh to gosh. the 50th anniversary of Zip to Zap. They had a Zip to Zap 5K and had the band Slamabama play. Slamabama. Slamabama. <laughs> So, my uh, sources for the story were Zap Revisited, a 1991 documentary, Zip to Zap Revisited by the Dickinson Press, The Small Town Spring Break that Ended in a Deadly Riot, which, I mean, it didn't end in a deadly riot. It wasn't deadly. It was not deadly. It ended in a riot, but it was not deadly. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that article was by Santiago Gonzalez. Zap will celebrate 50th anniversary of Zip to Zap by Bonnie Mybers and North Dakota Zip to Zap Remembered 50 Years Later by Jill Schramm. So were you, uh, you know what actually this reminds me of, though? I grew up in a town 
of about 500 people. Right, yeah. Called Reagan's Idaho. Yeah. So double the size of Zap. But every year... Still feels tiny. But it's still a tiny, tiny town. No stoplights. There are no... There's not even... You don't even have to stop in town. You just can just drive right through. I think we have one stop sign in all of town. And that's leaving the school. And that's leaving the, the school. Yeah. So the first weekend in May, kind of like Zap, is Reagan's Rodeo. And usually our school, a ton of students, would go down from yeah. U of I. And a lot come up from Boise State. Yeah. Really, a ton of students from all over would go. And so you would usually go camp on the river because there's a river that runs through town and you camp on the beach. And that party usually gets nuts. I don't know how many fights I'd see. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of kids. Break out there. But there's also this, so there's, it's a rodeo. And so there's the rodeo grounds that are kind of built into the mountainside. And so there's, like, stands and stuff for you to sit in. But there's also hill seating is kind of what they call it. Yeah, it's like like lawn seating. Yeah, Yeah. but it's basically seats that have been carved into the mountainside. And it's usually where all the college kids and drunk people go sit. Mm -hmm. And then there's also this... I don't know how you would explain it. So it's like on this... It's the main walkway. It's a walkway, but it's like a steep slide. A steep mudslide. Yeah, but it's like the main... It's like the center aisle. Right. But people will also like... Bring their coolers. Bring their coolers, and they'll go to the very top of it. And this is a steep... Like, I'm... Like, this is steep. Yeah. This isn't just, like, an easy walkway. Yeah. This is a steep yeah. mudslide. Yeah. Yeah. And You're he, telling them. You're not telling me. I know. Yeah. I've done it. You, you, well, you haven't done the cooler ride. Yeah, I have. When? Yeah. What? Yeah. When? I didn't have a very cool or... I was very short? Yeah. Okay. But anyways, so it's a very tall, steep mountain, like, slide. And tell them about the cooler side. And so, yeah, so you, like, people take up their coolers, and they get to the very top, and you literally turn around, you sit on your cooler, and you try to ride it all the way down the mountain. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody actually ride a cooler all the way down. Unless they're going very slow, and they're, like, trying to, like bump their way through yeah. but i have seen people getting taken away in ambulances from that yeah but that reminds me a lot kind of of this zip to zap yeah just absolutely. a bunch of college students just like descending on yeah, a tiny town yeah, yeah. and just having like a crazy like no rules weekend yeah Except for Riggins, they usually bring in a lot of local law enforcement they do they, they are more prepared Zap didn't, like, hey, highway patrol. Well, especially, well, so they had, I guess they had some highway patrol because that's who shut down the road. When they were like, hey, we have 3,000 students, and so highway patrol shut down the road. I think they were kind of like, no people in or out. You know, we don't want people getting a bunch of DUIs and stuff, but that's basically it. Yeah. For that one mayor being like, oh, we've got it. Don't worry. (laughs) It'll be okay. Yeah. Come on. That one guy tried to warn him. Homeworth tried to warn him. So, oh, presidential trivia. Mm -hmm. Who is known as Rough and Ready? Which president? It was President Zachary Taylor. Which, before you say anything, that is a real president. (laughs) It's actually, I stole this trivia from the poster that I got you because I forgot about presidential trivia. This week. The 12th president. He was only president for a little over a year. Um, 
he must have. Did he? Did he die in office? I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, uh, he was a general in the Mexican War, and that was his nickname during the Mexican War. Fun facts. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to us so you never miss an episode and more people can read your reviews and listen to us. You know, we love always to get more listeners. If you would like to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com and search for America the Bazaar. We have lots of cool stuff that you can get access to if you support us. If you would like to learn more about episodes, look at show notes, look at merchandise like sweatshirts, joggers, t-shirts, stickers, go go to americathebazaar.com and you can find all of that stuff there. Unless there's anything else, stay safe, stay healthy, and until next time, stay stay weird, weird, America. America.